Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I'm Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we'll be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, how have you been doing? Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm doing great. I got a good night's sleep for the first time in a while <laughs> last yeah. night. Yeah. Um, and I mean, honestly, I know that our listeners have noticed that we have not been on time the last couple yeah. of weeks, uh, but that's because we're we're working, we're doing some consulting and that has affected our timeline and when we can record. But we're still... But we're still getting one out, though. A yes. little later, but we're getting one out. A little later, and, and we appreciate you guys for, for sticking with us and listening. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to get back to normal next week and in the weeks to come. Yeah. But if you do want to know what we're working on, or if you want to know how we can help you in, or your company, head on over to oakwindanalytics.com, or even just email us with your questions. Yeah, we'll try to get to them as quickly as possible. We're always Definitely. here to help. That's all we want to do. But anyways, let's get right into it. We have a lot to cover this week. What is on your radar? So we're going to do Russia-Ukraine, obviously, uh, at yeah. the start. Uh, but then we'll get into Putin's possible uh, successor and what that could mean. Uh-oh. We'll talk, we'll talk the, uh, the Nord Stream, which reopened this week. And then we'll move over to China and talk about why they are upset about a possible uh, trap about Pelosi's possible travel to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. We'll do the update on uh, the Chinese banks that did not allow people to take out the money, and also <clears throat> why uh, why the UK blocked Chinese com- a Chinese company from acquiring their camera technology. We'll do an update on Iran and Israel. Uh, then I wanted to discuss uh, the Intelligence Authorization Act that was approved for this year. Um, right after that, we get into uh, the anti-government militias, which is this week's domestic extremism talk. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, we'll talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis. How very timely. Right. Right? <laughs> well, let's get to the Russia-Ukraine update. What has been the latest this week. So the biggest news out of Ukraine is that the Ukrainian military has finally been able to rotate troops out of the Donbass region. And why is that important? So uh, Donbass is like the the last piece of the puzzle for, for Russia before another attack on the capital of Kiev. Uh, so the fact that Ukraine would rotate out troops means that there could be intelligence that Russia is planning a major offensive in that region, and that could could shift over into Odessa. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a, it's going to be very important for both countries to have control of the port city of Odessa. Um, now, Russia initially attempted that northern push to Kiev, but, but now it looks like they're going to try to do it from a southern <laughs> offensive. Oh. 
Oh, and that's okay. going to go up through the Dnipro River. Now, early early intelligence before the war started suggested that Russia was going to use the Dnipro River uh, from the north to go south. Uh, but since that offensive failed, the Russian military has changed up its plans. And how would a possible successor to Putin change those plans? Well, that's all going to depend on who the Kremlin chooses to replace Putin if they get to. Um, so right now, it appears that the front runner is Igor Gurkin. Who's that? So, yeah, that's what a lot of people are asking. Yeah. And and he is a uh, former Russian army uh, person and a former FSB officer who played a key role in the annexation of Crimea by the Russian Federation a few years ago. And he was also a big part of the later war in the Donbass region. Um, he's a very bullish mil- uh, on military activity and very pro-war in Ukraine. His ascension to power would actually fast track a further war in Ukraine and could be a precursor to world war. That doesn't sound good. It's it's not, and it isn't going to be good. So that's why I'm I caution against this possible change of power in Russia. Everybody keeps talking about how that's going to be good. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I consider it, it could actually turn out worse because there are much harsher warmongers within the government than Putin. So we're going to wait. Yeah, we're going to wait and see, uh, see what happens over the next few months as reports continue to come out. Um, But we'll see what happens there. All right. Well, let's stay in Europe and get a fuel update. Last week, you talked about a possible long-term shutdown of the Nord Stream. What's the update there? Yeah, so the the Nord Stream's back up and running, no delays. Um, Awesome. Now, despite the partial resumption, Europe's energy situation remains extremely unstable. Um, If the gas supplies continue to fail, key fuel industries could collapse. Uh, Consumers across the globe, as we know, are already being slammed with higher energy prices. So the worry is that if gas shortages were to continue, countries would be tempted to hoard it, and that's going to fray cohesion within the European Union market. So just as everyone outside of Europe predicted, the European Union is beholden to Russian fuel? Correct. Uh, Most Russian leaders took Putin at his word, and over the last few months, they have learned what we in the intelligence community knew all along. Putin cannot be trusted. (laughs) Got it. Come on, guys. Yeah. Let's move away from Russia and Europe and talk about why China hates Pelosi so much. Yeah, that's it's very interesting and it's a great question. Well, it's not uh, even but, a question. It was more of a statement. But right. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'll say first that uh, Biden administration officials are concerned that China could seek to declare a no fly zone over Taiwan ahead of a possible visit by Pelosi. Mm. Um, other members of Congress and former U.S. officials have visited Taiwan even this year. Uh, but Pelosi would be the highest ranking U.S. lawmaker to visit Taiwan in 25 years. Uh, so it's not really a, a hate of the person, Pelosi, but the position that she's in. Oh, OK. And uh, with all that, China's foreign ministry said that it would seriously <clears throat> Her visit would seriously violate the one China principle and harm China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Once again, can you explain the one China principle? Yeah, of course. So the the one China principle is the position held by the People's Republic of China that there is only one sovereign state under the name of China, uh, with the PRC serving as the sole legitimate government of 
of that China and that Mm -hmm. Taiwan is a part of that China. Oh, so the big issue here is the sovereignty of Taiwan. Yes. And uh, and the higher the official is that's traveling to Taiwan, the more concern China is going to have. Okay, well, sticking to China, are there any updates to the banks not giving people their money? Yeah, so Chinese regulators have promised to repay more citizens in one Mm -hmm. of the country's biggest ever banking scandals. And they promised this after hundreds of thousands of customers were left without access to funds, which triggered very rare mass protests within that authoritarian government. Now, if you remember from last week, Multiple banks in China withheld funds from Chinese citizens after that massive scandal uh, worth tens of billions of Chinese yuan, and it rocked the critical rural banking sector in China. Uh, That banking scandal has dealt an unprecedented blow to public confidence in China's financial system, with the banks involved allegedly operating illegally for more than a decade. So are people going to get their money or not? Well... That remains to be seen. Uh, We're going to have an update as soon as the funds are released or if they're all stolen. Yeah. But right now, China has limited access to funds to about 7,500 US dollars Mm. with all funds over that amount being considered investment property (gasps) for the banks. (laughs) Hold on. I'm very shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I would lose my mind. I completely, completely understand. Definitely. Oh my gosh. That is so sketchy. That is so sketchy. Yes. Hold on. Okay. Sorry. I had to process that. So, but we have to move on now because we don't have any more (laughs) updates. Um, Speaking of sketchy, let's talk UK cameras possibly being accessed by Chinese companies. Yeah, so this is a very important development. Uh, Britain's business secretary has blocked the University of Manchester from sharing motion camera technology with a Chinese firm using a new National Security Powers uh, Act to stop a licensing deal. This is a blow to Chinese surveillance operations. What is the concern from the UK? Uh, There is a potential that the technology could be used to build defense or technological capabilities for China. Uh, which mm-hmm. may present national security risk to the U- United Kingdom. And uh, those risks would be the transfer of intellectual property to the acquirer, in this case, China. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it would give access to facial recognition technology that could help China track individuals throughout the UK. Yeah, no. Yeah, because they China, don't have a right to that. Yeah. China always uh, keeps data private. That was sarcasm. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, though, the technology can be used in things like nanny cameras or drones and other surveillance equipment, allowing the Chinese government to tap into various modes of surveillance. Well, luckily, they were able to block and secure at least a small amount of people's identification and information. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, moving to the Middle East, what is the update on the conflict between Iran and Israel? Well, if you remember... Last week, I mentioned that everyone should watch for any Russian-Iran alliance. Yeah. So this week, Russian President Vladimir Putin won staunch support from Iran for his country's military compa- campaign in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. With the uh, with Iran's supreme leader, Ali uh, Khamenei, 
saying that if Russia hadn't sent troops into Ukraine, it would have faced an attack from NATO later. That, okay, that's a leap. Anyways, yes. why, why is that alliance important? Okay, so with Russia and Iran aligned, uh, mm-hmm. Iran will no longer need vague support from the West to continue to develop nuclear weapons. And this puts uh-huh. Israel at a very precarious position. I mean, I already know where this is going, but for those who don't, how so? Well, as we've discussed previously, Iran Mm -hmm. wants Israel destroyed. Of course. And Russia wants a return to the USSR. Mm -hmm. So with those two countries aligned, Israel finds itself in the crosshairs of two possible nuclear countries. But wouldn't that force Israel into a world war joining Europe against Russia, Iran, and China? It certainly would. Uh, And that could actually force other Arab nations to side with Iran if they choose to. So the the geopolitical and even economic implications of this would be a disaster. All right. Well, let's get to more U.S.-centric news and talk about the Intelligence Authorization Act. Uh, yeah, let's get right into it. So uh, this year's policy for the intelligence community focus, focuses heavily on Russia's war in Ukraine. It establishes mm-hmm. a coordinator to track Russian war crimes and directing agencies to focus on Russian and Chinese efforts across the globe. Shouldn't they have been doing that much sooner? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, maybe if they had been listening to this podcast, they could have focused on that before this happened. But... <laughs> Here we are, five months into the war in Ukraine, and Congress yeah. is trying to finally track intelligence from Russia. So that is bureaucracy at work in D.C. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, we're way behind, way behind everywhere else. Yes. Um, do you want to go on record and talk about what you believe the biggest threat to democracy to be? What do you think that is? Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, so okay. I feel even with all that's going on right now, that Uh the biggest threat to global democracy is the People's Republic of China. And why is that? Uh, China is a threat militarily, economically, and technologically. Uh, The control of business within the People's Republic of China allows the government to force companies to produce technologies that directly improve military efforts And the government helps those companies utilize corporate espionage in order to steal technology. Can you explain corporate espionage? Yeah, so I'll I'll do the definition here. So corporate espionage, or sometimes called uh, corporate spying, is the practice of using espionage or spy techniques for commercial or financial purposes. So in layman's terms, it is when a company attempts to steal intellectual property from a competing company in order to improve a similar product. And how good is China at improving products? Well, China may be the best country in the realm of reverse engineering. Yeah. Uh, A Chinese company can acquire very minimal information. And with the backing of the Chinese government, that company can make a better, more efficient product that is only allowed to be used by the Chinese government. And China's doing that right now. Yes. And that's why, you know, we train individuals traveling, traveling to China to remove any proprietary information from all their devices. 
Or yeah. what's even better is to have separate devices that are only used while traveling to various adversarial countries. Yeah. Um, and I do want to caution that there's a lot that goes into that. So if you're a business traveler looking for advice on the do's and don'ts of traveling to these countries, I would uh, highly recommend contacting a protective intelligence company uh, for the proper training. Always got a plug. Well, I, I do want to say that because um, if you're going to start doing these kind of manipulations of, of devices to go out there, mm-hmm. yeah. the, these countries also have uh, have information on how to tap into that if it's not fully deleted or oh. how to know that you're actually bringing out these white uh, <clears throat> devices and they will steal those devices and kick you out. Yikes. Well, thanks for letting us know about that. (laughs) Let's get into this week's domestic adversary. What group or groups are you tracking this week? Uh, Well, this week falls in line a bit with last week. Uh, And and I want to reiterate from last week that a group like uh, Antifa, they do have a noble cause that fighting, you know, they're fighting racism, fascism, authoritarianism. Um, However, because the group's not well structured, the lines become blurred, and, and a group of violent extremists can actually take over and muddy the waters of that group. Yeah. And that goes for many groups that start with very well intentions and turn into violent propaganda machines. So this week I want to talk about anti-government militias. You said this week was similar to Antifa. Can you explain that? Yeah, so much like Antifa, uh, some anti-government militias actually start as protests against the federal government encroaching on constitutional rights of U.S. individuals. So they feel as if they are fighting for the little man or the common man Mm -hmm. against the big, powerful uh, U.S. federal government. Um, Because the groups start small and have no real leadership, Uh, a charismatic individual can take advantage of the group and use it to push his or her own agenda. And what kind of groups are considered anti-government? These groups consist of uh, militias, sovereign citizens, constitutional sheriffs, and conspiracy propagandist groups. Seeing the word sovereign citizens, it reminds me of... Like those people that get arrested and just yell, I am a sovereign citizen, as if that gets them out of... The YouTube videos with with police at a traffic stop. Yeah. Yeah. I am a sovereign citizen. I don't need a license. Okay. Well, you're not driving in your little designated area, buddy. So yeah. Yeah. You are subject to our laws. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Sorry. I don't know why I went off on that tangent. I just started thinking about like the YouTube videos I've seen of people doing that. Anyways, what the heck is a constitutional sheriff? Well, that's a that's a good question. Um, they are a political organization of local police officials who contend that federal and state government authorities are subordinate to the local authority of county sheriffs. Oh, Lord. OK, it's pretty obvious where that can go wrong. <laughs> yes. What are some active militias in the U.S. and how can people avoid being involved or attacked by these groups? All right. So some of. The most common groups people have probably already heard of, and that's yeah. the, the Three Percenters, the yeah. Oath Keepers, uh, the Lightfoot Militia, the Civilian Defense Force, and uh, a group called the American Contingency. 
What are the common goals for these groups? So the common goal is to overthrow the current U.S. government, regardless of political affiliation of the the current administration. Yeah, they they, just want the whole thing gone. Yes, and they they want to do it by any means necessary and then reinstall what they consider a quote-unquote constitutional government. So they're pushing their own agendas too, like what they consider, even though obviously that's subjective <laughs> exactly yeah you're, you're making constitutional <laughs> you are making a good point because and that's why i wanted to say quote unquote constitutional yeah because it's how they yeah. interpret the constitution yeah okay so do they have similar uniforms or flags much like antifa so they're known to use tactical military equipment uh they mainly try to look like special operations forces but in khaki pants and t-shirts uh, so also, like special operations forces. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. That car, is cargo, true. Cargo, pan, cargo pants and you know the the you, you know the designated uniform. Yeah, the uh, like a yeah. a tan or black t shirt with a flag. Yeah. On it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to have the flag though. You know, they just have to have a lot of utility pockets. Exactly. It's got to be functional. Um, yes. <laughs> As far as the flags, though, um, they have started to appropriate the uh, join or die black flag from the Revolutionary Mm -hmm. War or Mm -hmm. the don't tread on me yellow flag. Now, much like Antifa, people can get roped in for a cause that they see as just. Um, In this case, the just cause they see is freedom for all individuals without the government telling them what to do. But they were going to install their own version of the government after they remove the current government. So I don't right, see but how their government is to... perfect. Yeah, their government is. They know what's best for everybody. That's why I right. always caution people of yeah. you know wanting to have what you believe as the the leader of your government because it always gets corrupted. There's always going to be somebody who wants something different for themselves. Exactly. Okay, so how can people avoid these groups during protests? All right, so this this can get tricky uh, for those individuals uh, who consider themselves, you know, patriots or pro-military or pro-U.S. Um, as these violent leaders prey on that patriotism of former military veterans and their families. Yeah, so hyper patriotism. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, um, I would recommend backing away from any protests that involve individuals in military tactical gear. Uh, yeah. But they're obviously not wearing the current uniform of the military. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, so honestly, if you find yourself in a protest and you see people carrying weapons, please move away from the situation and find cover. So there is no good that's going to come out of that situation. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say, and, and you know this because I say it a lot to to you and the kids and stuff. Now, I I firmly yeah. believe everyone should util- utilize their First Amendment right to peaceful protests. I want to yeah. reiterate that word, peaceful protest. Yeah. But also, you got to understand that there are people trying to commandeer a situation to benefit their own individual beliefs. Mm-hmm. Those individuals are usually the loudest voices and can take over a situation for the wrong reasons. Like you always say, have an exit plan. Exactly. And, and you and I discuss this all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Anytime we're going to go into an area that may become dangerous, I always tell you it's, in, it's good, always good to know and have an exit situation, exit plan. 
And he's not lying. He literally <laughs> formulates an exit plan wherever we go, wherever we go. But <laughs> anyways, um, every time we go into DC, that's, that's you trying to tell us, okay, we can exit here. We need to face this way, blah, blah, blah. You know. Got to stay safe Situ- out there. Situational awareness. There you go. Keep that. Yeah. Hey, I use I use the using the lingo. <laughs> using the lingo. It's almost like I know what I'm talking about sometimes, kind of a little bit, but it's only because uh, it's only because I married you. <laughs> but now it is time to get to this week's histories mysteries. We're trying to keep this one a little shorter than the last couple weeks because we've been running long. So what yeah. do you have? What do you have this week? Well, since we're running long i have nothing nothing all right so kidding (laughs) yeah this week uh we have another great story in espionage every week is a great story a very timely story yes so we're gonna discuss oleg pinkovsky and he he was the main player in providing secrets on russia's involvement in placing intercontinental ballistic missiles or icbms in Mm -hmm. cuba um, during oh. right during that time, mm-hmm. he was the highest-ranking Russian official to offer secrets to the U.S. and is considered one of the individuals who altered the course of the Cold War. Thank you, Oleg. Yes, and his story actually overlaps with an English businessman whose story was told in the movie *The Courier*, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. So. Once that man, again, I feel like you I, talk about like if it's a biopic and it had Benedict Cumberbatch in it, you're going to talk about it. He's he's great at spy movies. Um, quite honestly, yeah. I, I really appreciate the way he takes uh, takes the character. OK, and that's cool. why I always bring him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so oh that businessman was uh, Greville Wynn mm-hmm. and he worked with. Uh, if you remember the movie, he worked with Pinkovsky to obtain information about nuclear missiles being stationed in Cuba, as Russia had suspected at that time the U.S. would not notice those missiles in the nearby island until it was too late Dum-dums. to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Now, um, as always happens, these become sad stories because ultimately Pinkovsky was arrested and executed yeah. by the Soviet Union for his involvement in spying for the U.S. Uh-huh. So. I know while these stories are very tragic, I do like to highlight the sacrifice of these individuals that change the course of history. Literally. Without these sacrifices, who knows what the world's what the world would look like. It would look like man in the high castle. It very well could, yes. (laughs) Is there anything else for this week? After that, I think we are out of time. As always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a moment, consider heading over to Apple and Spotify and give us a review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.